Bueller. 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 Oh, how'd you do? I do. I passed, but I failed. Yeah! But then I'm happy and sad. Bright as you, good old brother is so. Don't call me stupid. Who out of the chicken crossed the road? Take it from the left to the right! Right! Yeah. You'll be teaching remedial English. Remedial English? Look, I ain't no English teacher. See? Double negative. What if she wants you to kiss her? Well, then I guess I'm just gonna have to kiss her. Amanda Jones is no minor leaguer who will be swept off her feet at the touch of your amateur lips. Thanks. This babe has plenty of battle scars. Apparently it's rusted junk and we're looking at it. Hello, welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of Rusted Joke, where we look at the 1987 film Planes, Trains and Automobiles, starring Steve Martin, John Candy and a host of others. During holiday travel, some people get delirious, some get delayed, and some get... Del Griffin. American Light and Fixture, Director of Sales, Shower Curtain Ring Division. Neil Page got all three. I was on my way home to spend a nice holiday with my family. Instead, I'm in a motel bed with a stranger. So instead of Thanksgiving with his family, he's spending three days with the turkey. Two happy clams just whistling down the road. Flintstones, meet the Flintstones, and the family. Paramount Pictures presents Wilma! Steve Martin. You ever been to Hawaii? Yeah. You see Don Ho while you were there? See the second show, that's the best one. Is that right? Yeah. John Candy. Why are you holding my hand? Where's your other hand? Between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. Ah! In a new film by John Hughes. Plane, trains, and automobiles. See that Bears game last week? Yeah, hell of a game, hell of a game. Planes, trains, and automobiles. There's a lot in that. There's a lot in that trailer that isn't actually in the film. Yeah, I spotted that. You got a bit of John Candy doing an Elvis impression. With a hairbrush. Um, talking to each other in the car where they can't hear each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there is a lot in there, including one scene that just like gives it away. Where's your other pillows. hand between two pillows? I mean, that's a that's a great gag. Uh, that, you know, it doesn't doesn't deserve to be ruined in the trailer, but still, there we are. There we go. Um, so, John Hughes, the our John Hughes fest continues. Um, so, see, it's not all teen films. It's not all like you know. John Hughes did nothing but teen films. He did other films as well. It's yeah, just... to be honest, like, I wasn't particularly enamoured by the title. So Planes, t- Trains and Automobiles. It's not exactly drawing me in to watch the film. It did you not sound exciting. But did you not like the fact that... did you? I can't remember. Did you ask me what it was about beforehand? No, I think... I'd seen some of the film before, so I knew some of what was coming. So you knew it was about get, get home. Home, uh, but yeah. So you didn't think I was like watching, making you watch a film about like a transport museum or something no, like that. No, but I thought this is going to be. If I hadn't seen some of the film before and knew that some of it's a bit funny, then yeah, if you'd have presented me with a film called. Planes, trains, and automobiles. I'd be like, "Oh my god, that sounds absolutely boring." 
Wow. Okay. Well, thankfully it wasn't. So, well, <laughs> can we can we get to the score before I tell everyone what you told me after the film? So why don't you get to the score and then we'll go we'll go from there. Okay, I'm gonna leave it. Six and a half. Oh, it, you know what? I, 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 I struggle to think of people listening to this podcast and go, oh, this is it. They're going to do John Hughes. They're going to do the, the, the cover Stand By Me. They've done Ferris. Oh, this is great. Oh, uh, do you know what? I hope before they do like Pretty in Pink and Breakfast Club, I really, really hope that they no, do no, not like Planes, Trains and Automobiles. And suddenly you've reduced it to, to six and a half. If only that was the only surprising thing about this. But it's not. What did you say after the film? What do you mean? What About Steve Martin. Well, you asked me a question. And what was the question? I don't know. What was the question? The question was, um, Steve Martin, well, it, was, it wasn't really a question. It was like, Steve Martin makes some absolutely amazing films. And you said... Mm, I, still, I still don't... Dear me. No, I, I just <laughs> don't get him. I, he's funny, but he's like trying too hard sometimes I mean yeah don't get me wrong in, in the, oh, don't um, backtrack we've already no, lost no, a Steve Martin no, view no. Steve Martin listeners no, they've Josh, gone they're Josh. off right in that other film we watched you know with um, no. oh what's his name oh the, the powers of recollection will be that testing one. again no, at the end of the podcast it. the but one right. that we watched with Michael Caine Yes, not long ago. No, so, I know, but I can't Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. That's the one. Right. He was quite funny in that. He was quite, quite funny. Like the repress. We waxed lyrical about him. We said yeah, he was, it was, he was a genius. I'm, I'm just not a Steve Martin fan. I just... There's just something about him that I just... What, that he's incredibly bit, talented? No, I just find it a little bit cringe. It just oh. feels like he's overacting. And like... Some... some yeah... It, it just feels a little bit overacted sometimes. And, and to me, I don't find that necessarily funny. Oh, I'm trying to think of some sort of devil's advocate thing I could I could play, but I, I Whereas well, on I the can't. other hand, John Candy... I'll give you that. Uh, do, do you know what? I will give you natural. something. I will give he's, you something. He, you, you just see him and all the roles that I've seen him in have been good roles and he plays them well and it's like John Candy is a born natural he's like not overacting he's not trying to get the laugh whereas Steve Martin almost tries to get the laugh and Oh wow! Do you, do you see what I mean? Uh, can, no, can you identify? Well, like, can you, can I was about to give you. I was about to give you some ground. I'll give you that Steve Martin is a performer, and, yes. and by that I mean when he gives a performance, it's it to me it's first rate. I mean we'll go into it in roll call some of his okay. some of his other things because we didn't have roll call when we did Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, so we haven't done one um, for Steve Martin yet. But when you see him interviewed, he almost seems like a different person. Mm. And then when you see him on screen, he's just a genius. He's incredibly funny. Mm. It's almost just like the two don't marry up. Whereas, well, there you go then. But we, no, no, no. But no, 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 no. But I'll, but I'll, no, no, no. He's not over. He's not over it. He's not. He he's perform. He's performing a role. He's performing. I mean, I, it's only based on my limited experience that I saw some interviews he did for Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Um, and, and he does he just seems like a different person um, but you know in, in some ways you look at John Hughes and John Hughes is very 
When you look at the interviews, I mean, it's very, very sorely missed still. I mean, one of the things doing the research is I watched a, a retrospective on John Hughes and, and, you know, he was a very private man. He's very open with the people that wanted to, you know, he had muses, he had Molly Ringwald, which was his muse, and it was a big letdown, which he didn't want to be in some kind of wonderful. But we discussed that in the other last podcast. He was quite reclusive even though he got the best out of his performance and his writing is is incredible and it's i mean it still is to this day but you're almost expecting all your actors to be the person that that you would like them to be their 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 favorite you know your favorite performance of them oh is is he like that in real life you know is, is steve martin in the three amigos is he that funny in real life he probably is. I mean, I'm saying that my, my... But I'm reading a book about John Candy at the moment and I'm reading a biography of John Candy that was, that was written after his death. Um, and it's unbelievable that the guy is, was just one of the most genuine, good-natured people in Hollywood, as mm. far as I can tell. I mean, I don't know if the biography's been kind to him, but everything fits. I mean, everything seems as if just the type of person he was. I mean... I'll give you an example. So his last, his last film uh, was called Wagons East. Um, he was con- contractually obliged to make it, and unfortunately, he died um, on the on the set. Um, if I've got that right, I think he'd, he'd had a, he'd basically gone to his hotel room. Um, and he hadn't turned up for filming the next day, and his agent burst in, and he basically had had a heart attack, um, which is very sad. He was very which young. Really sad. He was very young, but on that on that set. Because of where they were filming, they, there was no church nearby, and he knew a lot of the extras and a lot of the people that were filming with Catholics. So he 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 drove to go to a nearby town to ask the priest and say if he could come and perform something, could come and perform as, as like a ceremony, a short ceremony on the set for all the people that were Catholics on his. And I just think that's the kind of person he sounds like. Mm-hmm. Is that he he'd think about it, he'd go over and beyond. It's not just a case of, oh, I bought, bought burgers for everyone on the set. He actually goes uh, above and beyond. But anyway, um, I suppose I better tell you what I thought. The film, the film. Then, yes, back to the film. Oh, Sorry. Bring it back. Um, bring it back. Um, it's not, it's, 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 it's nine. I mean, it's, it's pretty solid. There are, there are, you know, sort of gaps in it. But I mean, it's got, it's got set pieces, which, you know, still sold up today and people still talk about today I mean isn't that a mark of a good comedy film is that there's bits in it where people go you know when I, when I told people I was doing planes trains they went ah oh, the airport scene the airport scene and they start they start reciting it and you're like yeah that I mean obviously we can't do it we can't t- talk about it um, the car rental scene oh. the, mar- <laughs> the marathon car rental scene which we which we'll talk about in in uh, trivia time yes. but yeah the, the the lot of effing yes, um, but it's it's just genius. The pillows, you know. There's there's so many different different aspects to this that you just look at, and you know the car driving scene, and he gets he's driving on the wrong side oh, of the road, and God, there's so many things that, that go into it. But not once, but twice. Absolutely. Um, so the I mean the premise of the film for those obviously I think most people who who listen to it, uh, we may have listeners that go. But do you know what? I'll listen to what they say before I watch the film. I doubt it. Well, if you do, sorry. Well, if you're starting with this one, then apologies. We we do two spoilers because we talk about the whole thing. We talk about <laughs> trivia time. 
we talk about roll call. Um, basically, it's uh, a guy that's trying to guy. Steve Martin plays a guy called Neil Page. He's trying to get home for Thanksgiving. He's stuck at the uh, the firm he's at, the advertising agency, and basically he can't. Uh, he's got to make that that flight. Things get delayed. John Candy's involved, and basically he then has to find a way. Um, some of it through, some of it partway through planes, some of it trains, some of it automobiles, some of it vans, some of it all different types buses, of things. Coaches. Yeah, buses, absolutely, coaches. Um, so what you've got is it is is this nice sort of buddy road movie. Um, reluctantly. Reluctantly, yes. I mean, I don't, you know, <laughs> he tries to shake him off about two or three times. Tries to, yeah, but you know, you then have a bit of the the old John Hughes magic at the end, and you can. If if I hadn't if I hadn't I mean I said this at the end of the film if I hadn't told you it was a John Hughes film you said you wouldn't have picked up no, on the, the things not, and no. you wouldn't have gone no. right okay well whereas the, there are massive telltale signs but those are just one of those what? one of those things well I mean the the ending for one oh yeah I mean but that that's make that ending. no 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 but it's done it it's done in a particular way it's done with. You know, you look at how ca- you look at how Cameron is is treated in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I know you haven't watched Breakfast Club yet. I know you haven't watched Pretty in Pink yet. But you look at these characters, and you just think this is this is the empathetic way that 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 he treats his characters. And you just you would even if he didn't know, you might have just taken a stab and gone. It's pretty much this whole thing smacks of good writing, solid character development. You know and. I guess it's like if you watched a film by Scorsese, you know, and you could pick up and say, yeah, that looks pretty much like Scorsese's direction or Spielberg's direction. Um, yeah, I just think from a John Hughes point of view, that's that's the way it is. Anyway. The film, the film essentially, when you take stock of it, the film is about John Candy. It's not about Steve Martin. Oh, well, we'll get to that when we discuss the it's film not. a little bit. Right, okay, well... There's, there's your cliffhanger as, as we enter into uh, Roll Call. Roll Call. So, we're going to start one way. <laughs> I know you want to start with John Candy. Well, you can do it in a different way if you want. Do you want to start with John Candy? Yeah, let's start with John Candy. Okay, let's start with John Candy. Um, not that this is a test, but any John Candy films for, for you that's, that stand out before we start going through them in Roll Call I mean I, I never go through oh, all of them God there's that golf one <laughs> at this point I'm desperately looking at my list and going um golf okay Caddyshack isn't it Caddyshack he's definitely not in Caddyshack Bill Murray oh. Bill Murray Chevy Chase oh. Rodney Dangerfield yeah they're all in Caddyshack oh, but completely missed the plot on that one okay I'm sure there's, he's been in one similar like. Mm, no golf movies. Okay. I, 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 definitely no golf no movies. Okay. Okay. And any films we've covered? Oh, Uncle Buck. Uh, well, okay, not that we've we haven't covered that one, but any films we've covered as well? Where he played Ox. With his oh, the mud Bill wrestling. Murray, um, oh, look at this! Look at this um, encyclopedic like. No, you can see the sign. You know how you know how computers searches a searches a hard drive. It's basically just like a like a like a, a an arm that goes back and forward and retrieves the data. Imagine if that arm just moved like a centimeter every hour. What's it called? That this is the recollection process that I'm watching. It's the right Bill now. Murray. Yeah. Soldiers. Do you want to look it up on our podcast film. list? Oh, good lord! I can, I can show you. The, All that's in my head is Bill Murray. 
Splatoon. I know for a fact it's not. It's Splatoon. even in our theme tune for season two. But anyway, oh, God. it's called Stripes. Stripes. There we That's go. The right. Okay. He was in Stripes. Was there in we go. Stripes. Look. <laughs> I promise you this podcast is going to be about an hour, just in case you think, crikey, nearly 14 minutes in and, and we're barely barely into roll call. Um, so uh, let's mention some, oh, I was going to say some obvious ones. I mean, yes, Uncle Buck, of course. Uh, we've got his breakout role, which some people may say is Stripes. Others may say is Brewster's Millions. Do you remember Brewster's Millions? I didn't see that. Okay, so uh, Richard Pryor has been given 30 days to spend 30 million. Um, and if he spends it, he unlocks, if I get this right, he unlocks the true fortune of 300 million, but he can't have anything to show for it. He can't give it away. Uh, it's it's a great film. I mean, from Richard Pryor, point, it's not a John Candy film. It's a Richard Pryor film, but John Candy's really good in it. Plays his best mate. Is that anyway related to Trading Places? No. It sounds similar, though. It sounds similar. It sounds like, you know, like a bet, and there's people out to scupper them, but Bruce Millions is, is really good. Um, he was in Splash with uh, Tom Hanks. Was Yeah, he was. Uh, he pops up here now and again, you see, in things that you don't know necessarily. He's in The Blues Brothers. Um, it's one of his first, in fact, one of his, the first film role, I, I believe. Um, yeah, he pops up in The Blues Brothers. I mean, he, he's just there. Obviously, he's famous for Saturday Night Live and for all the, you know, comic creations that, that he created on that. Um, uh, Spaceballs, the Mel Brooks Star Wars uh, rip-off. No. Uh, the comedy that they did. Yeah, that was I'm good. That. He's also in Home Alone. Um, he plays Gus Polinsky, the Polka King of the, of the uh, Midwest. And uh, you see a more heavyweight, uh, forgive the, forgive the, uh, the pun, uh, role that he performed in JFK. So he was in Oliver Stone's JFK. Was he? He was, yeah. Uh, he played a... Ooh, that's, that's a good test of mine. It shows my lack of preparation, but test of my knowledge. He played a Southern DA, which is basically trying to warn, it, warn Jim Garrison, played by Kevin Costner, away from taking any 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 part trying to find out who killed JFK um uh he's in National Lampoon's Vacation he plays the uh, so he's in another John yes another John Hughes film um where he plays the security guard but that is this is way before this film um but one thing two films that I like to he's point out John Candy is he? he's not no. no he's not two films um that I was speaking with uh Nerd Alert, the other podcast that we sometimes do things with um, on their on their show we do things with do things with you know we we, we go on there collaborate the guests. that's right yes. they're, they're going to come on our, they're going to come on for our season finale here um, so I can't like, look forward to that but when I did mention it it's like The Great Outdoors and Summer Rental those are two John Candy films that if you haven't checked them out I know that uh, Summer Rental is on Netflix and it's really worth watching because it just showcases John Candy as it should be uh, but then in Great Outdoors, he's with Dan Aykroyd, and it's a good film. Anyway, in not in reverse order, just in an order. Steve Martin, where do you start? Shall I just do this one, and then you go? Mm, no, I'm not so sure about that one. But anyway, let's just do it. Um, the Jerk, man, man with two brains, with pointy birds. I mean, come on, pointy birds makes you laugh, especially when. Because you- you only because like I like it and Amy does a really Amy good impression of it. Impression. 
Because mm. that, that, that I find funny. Uh, the Three Amigos. I mean, good lord, My Little Buttercup in The Three Amigos <laughs> and The Invisible gun, Gunslinger. Um, Roxanne, a uh, wonderful retelling, uh, modern-day retelling of Serrano de Bergerac. Um, L.A. Story, which I started to watch again the other day, um, and it still pretty much holds up now, even though it is nearly 30 years old um, since it was filmed. So L.A. Story, definitely to check out. Uh, the Dentist in Little Shop of Horrors uh, with his de- with the, the dentist song. Oh, it's just incredible again. That's what Nerd Alert went. That's what I think of in Steve Martin. Uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, of course. Parenthood. House Sitter with Goldie Horn. He's incredible in that. Um, Leap of Faith, where he plays a, a preacher that's just out to scam people. It's really good. But of course, Father the Bride, where he appears with uh, Martin Short. Um, they're best friends they were best friends anyway uh, when they appeared in those films but now they do um, shows together um, I think they call it the second funniest show in town um, whenever they tour or something like that and I've seen the thing on Netflix and it's the two of them are just genius Martin Short good lord we, we've got to do something with Martin Short in at some point so once you get the two leads out of the way you start to go into the other ones we've got Kevin Bacon um, he plays a cameo in it um, obviously he plays not obviously unless you've seen it um, he Steve Martin's trying to get a cab at the start and Kevin Bacon's trying to race for the same cab and that's it that's that's the sole sole uh, involvement of Kevin Bacon any Kevin Bacon oh, films oh okay wait a minute okay. yeah any yeah. any more It wasn't. You, no. you. I know you have a go. You have a punt at the Lost Boys every time, don't you? You know, just in case. Do you know what? I think if you go back and listen to it, you go back and go. Lost Boys. Is he the guy that does all our adverts for? E. E. That's right. Yes. The, the Footloose guy. Yeah. According yeah. to you. Right. Um. Where do we start? Friday the Thirteenth. Um. For all those people, he was the first death in Friday the Thirteenth. All I'll say is bunk bed drill and just leave it at that um, but it's very inventive I remember seeing that for the first time and going I like that um, Footloose of course uh, she's having a baby uh, made just before Planes, Trains and Automobiles another John Hughes film uh, which is why John Hughes wanted him to, to cameo in this um, there's a good bit of trivia which we'll get to in trivia time uh, it's in A Few Good Men with Tom Cruise he plays the other attorney plays the pros- he plays the prosecutor Demi Moore in it. It is, yeah. Oh, the one with Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. Who was in the Lost Boys. Yes, there you go. Yeah. See? If you if you throw enough if you throw enough darts. If you throw enough darts, yeah. it one will hit. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, Apollo thirteen, he was in there with Bill Paxton and Tom Hanks. Oh, right, okay. Uh it was in Mystic River. Was he? He was. Uh, he was in Hollow Man, he was in Tremors. Love Tremors. What a film really good memories of, of going to the cinema and seeing that one for the first time um, X-Men First Class he played the bad guy in that one when they when they went back to the origins of the X-Men um, so he played the bad guy in that we watched that probably about six months ago okay. it's instantly forgettable um, but the the one I'd like to check out from a Kevin Bacon point of view is a film called Whitewater Summer 
uh, where he takes a group of like four kids on like an adventure. He persuades it. I know it sounds weird, but now sounds that I've got it in my head, he persuades so the parents to go on this kind of like, I was about to say PGL, but nobody would know what that means. Some sort of holiday camp thing, but it's a trek across. Yeah, it's, yeah. Kevin Bacon Four Kids and it is um, life but, skills but it is such a good film it really is but they all get killed no oh well that wouldn't make for a good film would it well I don't know um, horror film uh, next Michael McKean no idea who that is he played the police officer who stopped them and said is this car road <laughs> is this car roadworthy do you know do you know what speed you were going they went well no because because they set the car on fire. Because, no, they said the speedometer's melted. <laughs> and, and basically, Michael McKean just acts. He doesn't even need to move his face. He just he just needs to be him. And the reason why Michael McKean is so funny is lots of voiceovers. We're not going to go into the to the history uh, of, of him, but he's he is of course David St. Hobbins from Spinal Tap. Um, he's part of Spinal Tap and you're like I, I went back and just looked at that and just went there's too much when you look at a film like Spinal Tap there's too there's too much in it that should be quoted I thought I, I I thought I was doing well by knowing pretty much near enough every word in Ferris and Jaws but I, I just applaud people who, do, who worship Spinal Tap it's just a great film I need to go back and watch that I will do that this week I think um, Dylan Baker Dylan Baker is uh, Gus, the guy that comes and picks them up and takes them to the station from the Braidwood Inn, the one that's got a nasal problem. <laughs> oh my God, you just look like him then. All right. <laughs> Thank you. He is in... He is in... Hunted. No, Hunters. He is in Hunters. That's Hunters. the newest thing that he's in. Yes. Uh, yeah, with Al Pacino. It's on Amazon Prime at the moment. It's well worth it. Oh, it's great. Really great, good. like, series, that is. Yeah, very much so. Um, but he's also in Disclosure. He plays the uh, sort of company... Company... Company Kiss-Ass in Disclosure with Demi Moore and Michael Douglas. Mm. So you could have had that one in your Michael Douglas list, but still. Um, he was in... Michael Douglas list? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, you Michael Douglas list of trying to guess things. Um, uh, was he in... Uh... Yeah, anyway, um, more of that later. Um, <laughs> 13 Days uh, with Kevin Costner, which is about the Cuban Missile Crisis. He played Secretary of State McNamara, and he was extremely good in days? that. Yeah. Isn't that... Oh, am I getting mixed up now? Probably. There's a film about... <laughs> Very probably. Like, a virus or something? Yeah. Like in London. Twenty-eight days later. Oh, oh yeah. It's yes. Wrong number. Well, wrong film. <laughs> wrong, wrong genre. Wrong place. Wrong actors. Wrong, <laughs> wrong director. <laughs> Apart from that, you're pretty much on the nose. Oh, this is good. This is this is the final. This is the final bit seeping into roll call. It's great. I just didn't ever expected this. Do you know what? In, in about 10 podcast time, all I'll be doing is just chatting to you about actors and people, maybe, we, well, we might get more listeners. Who knows? Um, he was also in The West Wing. Uh, he was in a series called Damages uh, with Glenn Close, uh, which is incredible. Now, as soon as I, as soon as I looked, looked that up, and I was like, oh, God, I love Damages. What a, what a series. Uh, and he's also in Homeland as well. So, yes, there we go. There are others in there, but we'll get to those in Roll Call. We've just done Roll Call. 
Uh, sorry, we'll get to those in trivia time. Of course. I'm getting excited at the, at the final bit, which we, which is called what? Sorry, little she does no, little does she know. Oh, so you couldn't even remember the title that you created for for, for a piece, which in which you try and remember things that that might just be ironic. It might be, but anyway, that's the end of roll call. So, on to the film. So, you think you you're particular theory is that it's a film about John Candy. Yes. Right. So it's it's so the Steve Martin character is there purely to to figure out what's going on with all of this. Steve what you, you tell me what you think. Being his usual genius kind of genius. Up himself kind of character that's got it's very selfish, very kind of I've got to do this and I've got to get home and it's all all everyone else's fault and just sort it out and I need to get here. Um, whereas John Candy's a bit more laid back. He's like, oh yeah, we got some got some problems. I'm going to plan ahead and, you know, people think I'm a bit of a fool and, you know, I'm quite kind and I've got all these foibles, but, you know, hey, my wife really loves those and, you know, I really love my wife. And like, you see, you see the film and you're like, oh, it's really sweet, isn't it? He's taking his photo of his wife everywhere and, you know, but the fact you don't actually see him call her, and he's he's not been home for a while, and um, it's interesting. Uh, just just to button at that point, I never would because I, I I'd love to hear you, to hear you explain it. But that that shows what you just said. It just shows some relevance to it. He so when they they, they get off the, the plane, mm. he goes to Steve Martin. He goes, "You called home. I called I the Braidwood. I called the Braidwood Inn." Yeah. So it's almost as if he is planning. He is planning ahead. So his first his first thought wasn't to call home. No. It was to call the hotel. Yeah. Because well, we can't, he can't call home. Can't call home. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, so yeah, it's um, and you think, God, why is it? Why is this shower green curtain sales guy? Have I said that the right way around? The, 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 it's in there somewhere. Just, 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 just unjumble it. Yeah, it's fine. Why is he carrying such a large trunk around with him everywhere? Mm. And I don't mean that as a euphemism. It's actually. Do you know what's a in the trunk? Chest and a, and a trunk and stuff. And um, you think, crikey, what on earth is he carrying that all around? If he's just, you know, a bit of a travelling salesman, surely you'd, you'd travel as light as possible because, like, you know, you. you going here and going there and here and everywhere you've got to travel with it and take it everywhere and it just seems like massively cumbersome but then you think like oh actually that's all his worldly goods in there that's everything he owns yeah. that's it that's his life in a trunk basically mm. and that's and it's it's almost symbolic because you you see Steve Martin reluctantly when they like fail on the train journey reluctantly help him carry his trunk over the big massive field a mile and a half to get to the um, bus stop to, to carry on the journey mm. and everyone on the train's got to pile off and walk over these muddy fields and there's John Candy trying to drag his thing over these re- this really rubbly field it's like massive like churned up ploughed field and you see Steve Martin think, oh, God, I thought I'd got rid of him, but now, you know, I've got to go and help him with this trunk. But it's actually symbolic because it's almost like um, the weight of everything that John Candy's carrying 
Steve Martin actually helps him. Mm. And yeah, I didn't see it like that. That's, yeah, that's a good it's, point. It's because that's his worldly goods there. That's his. You know, that's mm. all he has. But obviously, Steve Martin doesn't realise that at the time. No. And you don't, as a viewer, realise that at the time. But looking back, you can see these quite symbolic happenings in the film that mm. actually potentially could have a double meaning. Yes. Okay, yeah. and, and when at the end you find out that they have a single meaning because because pretty much this is what this is it, it's a double meaning in the sense that you, you could interpret it in different ways and when you get to the end you find out well it's got to be interpreted one way yeah okay, that's so quite... I, I, I tweaked during the film okay about the end um, you could have thought he was divorced rather than his no, wife's died no, no right no but yeah, it was actually quite, quite sad. But you just think, you know, this this very selfish person that Steve Martin's playing, and this very lovable, um, happy-go-lucky kind of guy that John Candy is. But you actually realise there is actually some depth to this man. But he doesn't wear it as a as a badge. It's not, you know, in conversation. It's something very private to him, and you don't really hear him talk about it until they get really drunk in that hotel room well it's interesting you say that because one of the things that I think is one of those incredible uh, this is, is a very strange thing to, to happen in the film it's one of those incredibly funny bits um, coupled and, and as and as you're laughing you're seeing the effect so, so let me describe it so what happens is Steve Martin's had enough he's got so he's 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 got delayed on the plane. They've got. He's, he's rang his wife. He said, "I'm going to be delayed. We've got to stay overnight in in Wichita. Um, I'm staying, you know, uh, with this guy. I've, you know, I've only just met, type thing. But my only choice is that or sleeping on the airport floor. Uh, they get a cab to this place. Um, you know, you know, Steve Martin's just had enough. There's a series of things that lead up to it. He has a shower. He can't find any towels. The, the, <laughs> The, the bathrooms. We can buy this house. We can. There's one. There's one well. tiny hand towel that's left. The rest of the towels are on the floor flannel. and the flannel. Um, and basically, he's he's just like had enough. And John Candy had put like the vibrating bed that they have oh in the my God. in the are hotel. They actually, a real thing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, a definite thing. I don't think we've ever had those in the UK. No, I don't think. I don't remember seeing one. But yeah, they're they're definitely a thing. I've seen them in other films, so it's definitely not oh not an invented God. thing. Um, so he spills the beer on there and Steve Martin gets in it's just like look I just want to go to sleep he's in the wet patch um, and then there seems to be a lot of sinus clearing in this film because then like, John Candy starts to get in I'm not going to do it again but starts starts clearing sinuses and go you know sorry excuse me like this and then he'll do it again and Steve Martin snaps at this point he leaps out of bed and it's like the bed's wet I haven't been able to get a shower the, the water's cut off when it comes back on it's boiling hot and everything's wrong and I can't get home and I'm in a mood and this guy's annoying me and all everything else and it all snaps and he comes out with this wonder, really funny monologue um, where he's you know he's on about um, you know most stories have like you know like you know some funny anecdotes your, your stories are a miracle they, they have nothing like that he said can I just give you an example? When you tell a story, have a point. It makes it so much easier for the listener. 
right? And it's just and but as he's as he's doing this, you're laughing at the fact that Steve I Martin has snapped. No, 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 and I know you didn't, and and I, and I could feel that you weren't laughing because you're seeing the effect on John Candy, who's suddenly going, t- taking it taking it all in, and he's just. Steve Martin is going on. So you, you may be laughing in the moment. For the first time you see, you're probably concentrating more on Steve Martin. But I guess if you've seen it a few times, you're actually looking at the effect that it's having on John Candy. Because especially if you know it. the end. So. I know, because he hasn't seen the ending, but yeah. Um, so yeah, that's where John Candy goes, um, you know, I like me. You know, I like me. My wife likes me. My customers like me. You know, exactly, which is what you're saying. It's like the genuine thing. And it's, it's, you know, as I say, from the biography that I'm reading, it sounds pretty much that that is like John Candy. It's just John Candy's playing John Candy. And it's just so happens that he's incredibly funny. And that's that's why he's he's successful. Um, But yeah, it's a bittersweet moment because then you realise that it's not the it's not the last time he's going to snap. But it's just that particular moment. There isn't another moment like that in the film. It's almost like once they've done that and he realises the effect that his words could, could have on him, yeah. there's, a, there's a sort of reluctant, you know, um, backing off yeah. of Steve Martin. It's still, I mean, it's still funny. It's like you've got a string on you, like a chatty Cathy doll, except nobody pulls it, you pull it yourself and keep pulling it back and forth. And, and it's just, it's funny. But I guess, yeah, I guess you look at it through different eyes, which we seemingly both did. Um, but yeah, you look at something like that when he's being honest and he's going, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to be like this, you know. You need to, you need to consider me. It doesn't matter what you think. I like, I like me, and I think he genuinely does like himself. I think he genuinely likes himself. He likes what he gets from customers. Obviously, the wife bit that you don't know about. But he, he gen, because he moves around and just sells shower curtain rings, um, and that's what he does. He's got no home. He just moves from hotel to hotel, going to going to talk to his customers. And, you know, even, even when he gets to the Braidwood Inn and Gus, Gus comes out yeah. and it's just like, and he's genuinely excited because John Candy's here and they, they swap, swap pleasantries and he goes, you know, how are you? He said, well, a million short of a million. But, you know, and, and it's just like little nice, nice things from that. I, I, I honestly didn't think you'd like the character of John Candy. I didn't think that you'd like John Candy. I didn't think that... Really? that no, no, no. I, just, I mean, obviously, you get to see a little bit of his genius in Ox, in, in Stripes. But, and I guess you see in Home Alone. Again, that's a cameo. You know, it's not, not anything particular. But when he does it, he puts everything into it. And, you know, well, anyway, yes. Um, but th- there are times like that. So you're right. It is, you get to the point of finding out the story of John Candy. And once you know what happens at the end, so obviously I know we're skipping forward, it's skipping forward slightly. But yeah, they, you know, just if you haven't watched the film, uh, we've just totally Spoiled ruined it for it, you. Um, but I think most of the people probably listening have seen the film. So you, 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 know, you know, like the set pieces, you know, the car rental scene. Um, then um, Steve Martin trying to get trying to get a taxi back to, uh, pardon me, back to Chicago um, in the taxi line of the um, the airport. Was it St. Louis? 
where they are. They're trying to get back and he's trying to get the taxi and he's just had the car rental scene and he falls in the middle of the road because he goes to the taxi driver. He goes, just, you know, are you just going to help? Are you going to help me? Are you going to stand there like a slab of meat with mittens? And then he hits him. He goes into the road and John Candy, who's hired a car, nearly runs him over. And he thought, Steve Martin's like, I thought I'd lost this guy, you know, and he's back again. And he goes to the taxi driver, he goes, oh, I'll move my car, it's John Candy, I'll move my car, you need to help him up. He goes, my pleasure. And he grabs him by the balls. Oh, God, yeah. It just picks yeah. him up. Yeah. And, the, and, and the way that that works so well is because you just see them in the car, John Candy's talking, and then when it's going to, he goes, I've never seen anyone being picked up by the nuts like that. And Steve Martin's like, well, I've never really seen any. Yeah, and, I, and his voice is kind of accents, obviously. It's still very painful uh, that's happening. But yeah, so after after that, uh, they get in the car uh, and um, they... Uh, oh, do we have to stop? Oh, we just had a bolt come out of the, the chair. <laughs> Not literally like a lightning bolt or anything, but... Okay. Yeah, don't, don't move on your chair. All right, okay, that's fine. Okay. Don't wriggle. Well, if I do disappear, it's because I've fallen off. Or oh, if you hear a snap, it's the chair that's broken. Great. <laughs> it feels like um, speed. Like I can't go <laughs> like, like over 50. I can't move. Um, I'm sure there's better analogies than that. But yeah, once they've... once they've uh, then, then it's basically the car journey home um, and basically find it from there. But it's... It is. They use a variety of different things. That the set pieces are incredible. The payoff at the end, um, when they finally get there, that is a re- that is a, a really poignant moment, and it gets me every time. I have to say, every time I watch the film. Really? Yeah, because I didn't Steve. That. Because Steve Martin. No, 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 no. Because I, well, I know the ending. Yeah, obviously, I've okay. watched it many times. Okay. But you know, Steve. Basically, they say you know, they they get eventually they get to where they need to because they've they've taken the last part of it sat in a in a nice truck um that's taken them all the way to to chicago um and they get off at the um subway uh sort of like the the overtrain um and steve martin gets in and basically they formed a bit of a bond um i didn't see them swap numbers or anything like that but basically he just went oh right yeah well, I'm, I'm going going home now and, and he mentions his wife then doesn't he Mentions my wife will be happy, my wife will be happy to see me or something like that. I seem to remember. There's there's some I should know because the amount of times I've watched it. But Steve Martin gets onto the subway and as he's going, he's looking forward and he's got visions of his daughter and seeing his wife. Um, and it, as they go around, he suddenly thinks back to what John Candy was saying. Um, and so he, t- he stays on the I think he stays on the subway or he gets off and gets on another one and goes back to the station and finds John Candy sitting in the waiting room the mm-hmm. subway um, and then it all comes out that you know his wife died three years ago and he's basically been been homeless from then on and eight years eight years was it I thought yeah. it was three years alright okay well eight years it's even worse um, so what's he do he invites him to come for Thanksgiving at the end it's a great it's a great bit but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a good bit. But John Candy plays that. I didn't want to burden you with this this kind of thing, you know. I didn't yeah. want to talk to you about it. And as I say, the the bit where they got drunk on the on the miniatures and things like that that was that was very good. <laughs> what was it, tequila and rum? He does a Jamaican accent. Oh, 
Yeah, which which would be very good it, actually because. What were you eating? Was it? Uh, Some kind of tortillas or something, isn't it? Oh, oh chips or no, chips. Yeah. And, anyway, um, we will get to more of this now in trivia time. Okay. Um, uh, so, why don't we go there right now? Trivia time. Okay, so trivia time. Hmm. Where do we start? There was a lot, and it's all good. I mean, it really is all good. And, and I've had to whittle it down. I know. I, I, and it was like I whittled it down a little eight bit. Size of A4. Uh, yes. Anyway, it's not going to be that bad. Don't worry. Um, we'll get through it fairly quickly. Um, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is Steve Martin's favourite film that he did. Okay. And that's saying something because, you know, it's up against Man with Two Brains, The Jerk, his standout performance in The Jerk, uh, which is the thing that launched him into the the public consciousness. Uh, as well as Saturday Night Live, but it's a favourite film that, that he'd done. How many times is the F word used in the sixty seconds of the, <laughs> the, the in sixty seconds during the car rental scene? Oh, probably uh, thirty times. <laughs> no, it's actually eighteen. Oh, yeah. It seemed more. No, it seemed more. It does. It's very good. Um, John Hughes says that there's a three-hour version of the film, or he had said, sorry, that's locked away in a vault. Um, that's a mess of footage that would take months, maybe even years, to transform into a workable film. Uh, according to Hughes, most of it has probably deteriorated by now. Aww. But there's a three-hour cut. Um, Steve Martin was convinced to join the production after favouring two scenes that he'd read from the script. One was the marathon car rental scene. <laughs> what do you think the other one was? I'll hum or... Uh, so, so that it doesn't automatically... Car. Melted carts, close. Um, it was the seat adjustment scene oh, in the car, which is great when John Kennedy breaks the seat. Happens, yeah. No, when he breaks the seat, yeah. It's, it's so. Um, John Hughes, in an interview on the Those Aren't Pillows DVD edition, <laughs> um, said he was inspired to write the film after an actual flight from New York to Chicago he was on was diverted to Wichita. Oh, no. Yeah, that's taken him five days to get home. Five days to get home. I'm like thinking, well, no wonder you wrote it. So, uh, me. Um, the house. So the house that they go to at the end, or the house that you see, you know, the wife. You oh, do, the one that Steve Martin lives in. Yes. <laughs> yeah, with his family. Um, it was a set built from scratch. Really. Um, consisting of seven rooms and taking five months to complete. Oh my god. It ended up costing a hundred thousand dollars which angered Paramount executives and caused turmoil on the set. That's another thing that I forgot to mention about the film. Do you not think that his wife's reaction is that he's having an affair? Do you not think that's, that's what she thinks all the way through? Sorry to interrupt trivia time, but I've just, I just remembered it. I, I realised that I wrote three things on well, my thing. thing it's is, the wife. When the he wife, comes home, she kisses him for an awful long time. But she's crying. Yeah, but... Yeah, but she she starts to well, when he calls her, he goes, "What's going on, Neil?" As in, like she thinks that he is not home because he didn't love her anymore and he's with somebody else. Oh, I didn't pick that up. Yeah, I did. So, and it's the first time that I'd watched that that I went. I think she thinks he's having an affair. Oh, okay. Mm. Interesting. Hmm. Um, John Candy and Steve Martin eat dinner on the plane in a scene that's not in the version that we see. <laughs> I actually watched it yesterday on YouTube. Oh, did you? 
Yeah, and it should have definitely been been in. Um, The scene ends with a long-haired passenger in front of Steve Martin letting his or her hair cascade down onto his brownie. Basically, they have he eats. He's got this like uh, meal, and the guy that sat sat the other side of him, John Candy, is just like sharing it out because Steve Martin doesn't want to eat it. And, and and he's like passing the roll out. He said, "Do you want do you want half the roll or something like that?" And he drops one on the floor and then he picks it up and he goes like that. And then he goes, "Do you want to share it?" And the guy goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, thanks." And he goes, "Do you want the brownie?" And I know Steve Martin goes, "No, no, no, I want the brownie." So he goes to eat it, and the hair from the hair from the bat falls in the brownie. <laughs> That's amazing. And John Candy's timing is perfect because he just went, "Are you going to eat that? <laughs> do you mind?" And he splits it with the other passenger again. I'm just like, why wouldn't you keep that in? It's amazing. Um, at the beginning of the movie, Steve Martin obviously races against Kevin Bacon for the taxi. Um, when he phones his wife to tell her he's been delayed yet again, in the background, and this will allude to our next film that we might be watching on the podcast, you can hear the fight from She's Having a Baby, which was released the year after. I know that doesn't make a lot of sense. You pointed it out. Yeah, I remember saying, yeah also directed between Kevin Bacon and Elizabeth McGovern when she screams that she doesn't like his friend's girlfriend. So um, that might be the next film that we're doing. Um, it was John Candy's favourite film. Uh, he, he had pointed that out as well. So the two of them is just thinking what a wonderful um, what a wonderful time they must have had. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, looked, you, you look at that. Um, how long did he take to write the screenplay, John Hughes? master of writing things in oh probably something silly like five hours it's three days his average writing time for a screenplay in those days were about three to five days with 20 something rewrites um uh john hughes shot over six hundred thousand feet of film almost twice the industry average uh they talk about the rumored three hour three hour version on that one um, Steve Martin talked in an interview about his late co-star John Candy and his similarities with the character of Dell. Well, he was a very sweet guy, very sweet and complicated, and so he was always friendly, always outgoing, and you know, funny, nice and polite. But I can also I could tell that he had a kind of a little broken heart inside him. Mm. Um. So, yeah. Um. Uh, John Hughes was known for staging improvisational moments, as we know from what he's from what he's done in other ones, for his actors in order to capture that genuine reaction. Sometimes he just wants that reaction that you just not expecting. Um, so with um, Owen, um, it wasn't Gus that came and picked them up to take them to the station. Um, uh, Owen basically, with his poor sinuses, I'm not going to do the impression again. <laughs> His, right. his wife and he's just basically wife and yeah and his pregnant wife and his dog in the back of the in, the, in there and the kids in the front um, as he was not satisfied with with Owen introducing himself after seven takes he privately instructed Dylan Baker the guy that played him the guy from Hunters mm-hmm. to wipe spit in his right hand just before shaking hands with Steve Martin <laughs> Steve Martin a known germaphobe was not expecting this <laughs> as his facial expression contorts in disgust, having just clutched his saliva-slathered hand. The film crew reportedly exploded in laughter as Martin ran off to wash his hands immediately following the encounter. Hughes got the reaction he needed, and that was the footage that you see in the film. 
I know, he looks disgusted. He does. He just looks like, yeah. Um, Dylan created the own character himself. The snorts, the facial tics, the twisted expressions are all his. John Hughes went, give me a character. What what do you think? What's this guy like? I'll give you his backstory. Um, The guy who played his his wife, (laughs) the the pregnant wife, Mm -hmm. get your ass out of here. I'd like to get the, the, uh, she may be short. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, to lift the uh, trunk. She said it was extremely difficult to keep a straight face while filming the scene with him. And you can tell, because when you look at her again, I mean, it's great seeing the trivia and then going back and, yeah. and remembering the film. She gets out of the car. She looks like she's she's either about to hit someone or to burst into laughter, and you can't really tell. And it's obviously just burst into laughter. Um, I did point this bit out when we were talking. The exterior of the rental car was designed to resemble that of the Griswolds family station wagon. Um, from uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, oh. so it did. It did look uh, like that. Um, Roger Ebert, so for Siskel and Ebert, we talked to them before. The famous movie reviewers. Um, it's one of his. He labelled it one of his great movies. Oh, um, oh I may have to. I may have to uh, truncate this a little bit. John Hughes originally wanted Tom Hanks for the role, no. and John Travolta for the role of Del Griffith. Oh, no. Hanks was unavailable he was busy shooting Big and Paramount executive did not want Travolta in the movie at the time because he was considered box office poison oh yes and do you know why well it's obviously before Pulp Fiction it was obviously before Pulp Fiction John John Hughes John Travolta had a horrendous time in the in the 80s did he pretty much well give do you know what Let's, let's let's give you a free oh, no. pass. Let's oh, give no. you a free pass. Give me any John Travolta film from the eighties. A Saturday Night Fever. Nineteen seventy-seven. Next. And Greece, nineteen seventy-eight. Anything from anything at all from the eighties. Staying alive. There you go. And was Staying Alive universally well received? Well, I would have thought so. It was horrendously received. Was it? It was a sequel to Saturday Night Saturday Night Fever. But it was awful. I, I, I mean, I like it because I like bad. Fi- I like good films and bad. Fi- I like bad films that are trying to be good, and I think that 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 was genuinely yeah. But it was universally panned. Oh dear. He did a film uh, called The Experts, uh, which again I liked. Um, he, the, him and his buddy are kidnapped and then moved to a a fifties America town set up in Russia. It's like a training ground for spies, and they have to Americanize it and make it all. That sounds awful. Oh. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, look who's talking. Oh, yeah, with the baby. Yes. With Kirsty yeah. Alley. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but he's 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 not the star of that. You know, Kirsty Alley's not the, the star of that. Of baby, exactly. No. Oh. Bruce Willis is the voice of the oh, baby. Okay. Yeah. So you kind of got the Travolta until his resurrection, Lazarus style in Pulp Fiction. Mm. No wonder. No wonder people didn't want to work with him. I mean. I, I, I'm 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 not saying that. I can say no wonder people didn't want to work with him. I I like Travolta's you know movies. I mean, obviously he did some stinkers like Battlefield Earth, which is one of the worst films, possibly one of the worst films of all time. But you know, I I, I like him. I mean, a genuinely you know good natured vibe. He was just making stinker after stinker after stinker, and it just wasn't working until Tarantino went. Yeah, do you want to play a? Do you want to play Vincent Vega's brother in Pulp Fiction? Um, Come on, hit uh, me some more. Hit some more. 
Okay, so we've got people uh, that were in this. So we've got people from Ferris Bueller that are in this. Mm. So um, we've got Lyman Ward, who played uh, his dad, Ferris's dad. Oh, yeah. It's the guy at the start going, you'll never make the six. He's the, he's the, the guy that's saying... Oh, yes, yeah, in the boardroom. In the boardroom. Yes. Um, you've also got Ben Stein, Bueller. Bueller, but he plays the announcer going that the, the plane is delayed. But how can he do that? He's actually an economics teacher, isn't he? <laughs> yes, he is an economics teacher. Well, why is he in that second film? Well, 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 why not? He's just he's in other films. Is he? Yeah. Oh. I, I mean, I didn't do a, bit, a roll call on Ben Stein, but there are other films that he's in. Oh, I didn't know that. But I let's thought get, he was just pulled in for Ferris Bueller. Let's get to our favourite. Because then he did an economics teacher, um, and he was a mate of John Hughes. I think he just used him in other things. Okay. I think there's there. Is he any other films I'll, apart from John Hughes? I'll films? let you. I'll let you know later. Don't Google him now. But yeah, we'll okay. we'll we'll do him. Uh, but let's go to our favourite from Ferris uh, uh, Grace herself, um, Edie McClurg, um, who plays the woman in the marathon car rental scene. Um, oh, on instruction from John Hughes, Edie McClurg's role as the Saint Louis car rental agent was was partially improvised. Hughes simply told her to riff a fake phone call conversation with someone about her Thanksgiving plans, while Steve Martin remains waiting in line, staring at her to finish up the phone call so that he can have his rent. McClure came up with the idea to speak with her sister, who was going to make, who what she was going to make for Thanksgiving. She says, "Well, you know, I can't cook," um, and she goes, "Gobble, gobble, gobble, gobble," <laughs> and it's all made up. Hughes asked her how she came up with those lines so quickly, and she replied, "Like his scripts." She just drew it from her own life. Um, McClure claims to this day, random people ask her to tell them that they're effed. Because <laughs> that's what they want, is that kind of line. It's a bit like uh, Lou Free, 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 no, no, not, uh, I can't pronounce her last name. Um, basically plays Mrs. Kintner in Jaws. Um, you know, she slaps Roy Scheider across the face when she finds out that he knew about the first shark attack and he didn't close the beaches. Oh, the mother of the son that got eaten. Yes, that's right. Um, Jaws fan, she says, I've lost count. It's thousands of times that I've been asked to slap people around the face. Really? Oh, my God. So I guess in a way it's a bit like that. Um, uh, So uh, Michael McKean's role as the Wisconsin State Trooper, so the guy that stops them, uh, was actually much longer as originally shot. In a 90s interview, McKean said his character was intended to provide additional exposition about the story to help the story along, rather than just stop them and say, uh, do you think this car's roadworthy? Um, right? As originally sought, Dell pleads with the trooper not to impound the smouldering car um, as he gets Neil home for Thanksgiving, specifically mentioning home in Chicago. The trooper then informs him, you've overshot, overshot Chicago roughly 100 miles back. <laughs> Noting that they were driving north and they were now in, they were now in Wisconsin. <laughs> Upon hearing this news and realising he could have been home hours ago, as well as their latest mode of transportation, um, Steve Martin attacks Dell and winds up chasing him round the car, which the trooper has to comically break up. As plot points frequently change during filming, John Hughes discarded most of the scene and reshot it just as a traffic stop, resulting in the in the car getting impounded. Um, leaving out any information about where they were or the pair being lost. He had the, the, Michael McKean had to return to Buffalo to shoot the shorter version, which explains the continuity issue between the sunny and cloudy skies in the scene, oh. 
which I'd never noticed before. Uh, there was a deleted scene where the two of them were going to go to a strip club to find a phone after the car caught fire. Um, <laughs> uh, the sound effects of the opening titles are of planes, trains and automobiles, specifically in that order as they go across the screen. Um, John Candy uses the same line in two movies. I know it's not pretty to look at, but it'll get you where you want to go. He says that about the car to the police officer, but he also says it in Cool Runnings. So you know the Jamaican bobsleigh team? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's the coach. Oh, um, I know it's not much to look at, but it'll get you where you want to go. He says when revealing the team bobsled for the first time, <laughs> which is great. Um, when Neil tells the motel clerk, it says he's been wearing the same underwear since Tuesday. <laughs> Dell's reply is, I can vouch for that is a reference to The Outer Towners, uh, an earlier film col- comedy about the difficulties of travelling. Um, Steve Martin would then go on to play the male lead in the remake of The Outer Towners ah. um, ten years later. Um, getting towards the end now, according to the biographical book John Hughes, A Life in Film, um, one actor who played the truck driver was only supposed to have one line and work for one day. Because of the weather-related delays during production, Hughes chose to keep him on standby the actor ended up working enough days while the crew waited for the snow to come that he earned enough money to make a down payment on a house. What? It's very possible this was Troy Evans who was uncredited as the shy truck driver in the movie. Do you remember when he says, we, we have to go in the back because he doesn't like people getting up in the in the cab with him? Yeah. And that's why they're in the freezer. Yes. The guy's supposed to have a line and he doesn't because they waited around so much. He earned, he earned loads of money. Um, he went on to appear credited on AER. For, for the show's fi- final five seasons. So he played a, a character called Frank Martin. I watched The Yard. I can't remember that that character. Um, this is a great one. While the rental car burns, a sign's visible behind Steve Martin and Candy that says, um, Chicago, 102 miles. This is a nod to the John Landis film Bruise Brothers, which is the climax of the line. It's 106 miles to Chicago. So they just transferred it across. And, and took out the four miles that they would have travelled from where they would have said that line. So, yeah, I think it's great. Uh, John Goodman was considered for the role of Del Griffith. That could have worked. No. Uh, no transportation company wanted to appear inept or deficient in any way. So crews had to rent 20 miles of train track and refurbish old railroad cars. Oh, my God. Yep. Construct a set that looked like an airline terminal. Design a, re- a rent-a-car company called Marathon, complete with logos and uniforms. <laughs> well, you don't have to go to Greece to go to a rental company called Louis Marathon. There's one in every town, isn't there? <laughs> but you ready for this? Yeah. They had to rent 250 cars for the rent-a-car for the scene in the car park lot. Oh my god! They had to rent them. <laughs> Why didn't the crew, and the production team, just park their cars? Yeah, absolutely. And there you go. That's trivia time. Wow. Some good ones there. That was. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I like that. John Hughes. John Hughes, hey. Anyway, um, just to finish then, we haven't got a jingle. Go on, invent a jingle for it. No. What does she know? I keep forgetting the title <laughs> of it. You forgot the title at the start. Little does she know. Little does she know. Ooh. How about little does she know? Yeah, that sounds horrible. Okay. Little does she know. That'll do. <laughs> All right, there we go then. Right, so, wait a minute. Oh, I know. 
Actually, should we have a timer on it? Should we just... In fact, let's not have a timer on it. Because I just think it's... I, don't, I just know when it's... You know, the listener's probably going to switch off. Right, okay. Right. I, I think they're three easy ones, to be honest. Uh, okay. okay. so let's... Th- with the fake timer, just for suspense version, um, for those who haven't heard this before, this is where we would have given 45 seconds uh, for Amanda to name three films by... Um, and we are talking famous people, so... you. Please go back yeah, to the previous you, two podcasts. The Meg Ryan one. And have a look that at was that. Well Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan's really easy, but still. It never wasn't. Because even was. you said afterwards, oh, just having a look at her filmography. Yeah, there's some. Yeah, but of I films, can still name but, three. But, but not I couldn't name them all. Many that you'd recognise. Right. You're like, well, she's just known for three films. I didn't. I said, you, you said, you've got mail. Uh, you've got mail. Uh, um, Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, did you do something else? Probably the most famous orgasm scene in history. Well, I said that. You didn't I say Harry Met Sally. Eventually. I did. Eventually. After I told you she played a helicopter pilot, Courage Under Fire. Oh, Still, God. never mind. Right. Are we ready? Right. Come on Number then. one. Oh. Fictitious 45 seconds for Robert De Niro. I always get De Niro and Pacino mixed up. Oh, good. <laughs> this is, we'll, be, we'll be here a while. Settle right. in, everyone. Robert... Robert De Niro. That's, if you listen to this in a he's kitchen, the one, isn't make he? a cup of tea because it'll be a while. De Niro. What? Right, Raging Bull. Yes. Oh, that's um, a good start. Taxi Driver. Yes. Um, seeing Goodfellas. Good Lord. Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Good Lord. Uh, casino. You d- yes. Oh. Um, Do you have some brownie points. Oh, what else? Seeing. Circle of Trust. What was that film we watched on Netflix? The Irishman. The Irishman, there, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, that one. I like that film. What about Jinx the Cat? Oh, Meet the Fockers. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Meet the parents and then Meet the Fockers and then Little Fockers, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, well, De Niro, see? Oh, Storming wow. Start. Well, that wasn't that hard. No, but I think Michael Douglas is easier than no, De Niro. Not. Well, he it's is. Um, you know, if you start talking about rocking Bullwinkle, I mean, yes, um, De Niro has made some stinkers. Uh, next one, are you ready? Three films by, and you can't have sequels, by the way, because I know exactly where you're going with this. <laughs> and you can't have sequels for the last one. In fact, you can't have sequels for any of them. Oh, that's mean. For any of them. No. Not even if they've got different titles. No, because then it'd be Home Alone and Home Alone 2. And that's not the actor, by the way. I'll just give you an example. Could you give me three films by Macaulay Culkin that aren't Home Alone? Probably not. No. <clears throat> Richie Rich, The Good Son, and My Girl. Oh, God. Mm. Right. Anyway, um, I only just thought of that, just in case you thought I prepared. So, three films by Meryl Streep. Oh, good Lord. Um, Mamma Mia. Yes. No sequels. <laughs> oh, you... <laughs> Even though she's... Sorry, spoiler alert, she's dead in the next, in the next one anyway. But she disappeared. Um, Meryl Streep. She won those Oscars as well. She did. Oh, well, you wouldn't have thought so because they're not not memorable in Manned World. <laughs> that completely passes you by. I like that. Uh, a film she starred with Cher about nuclear power, uh, whistleblowing at a nuclear power station. She won an Oscar for Silkwood. No. Nope. How about uh, she's in? Oh, hang on. With Robert Redford. Hello. Yes, with Goldie. Y- yes, see, look, what's your on a roll? You're, you're there. She's not in Witches of Eastwick. She isn't. No. No. 
but um, she did star in with Robert Redford somewhere. Oh God! I know. I'm sorry to bring up that memory, oh, but yeah. Oh God! Out of Africa. Yeah. So sorry. Oh, my God. I know. Um, um, kind of a Devil's Wear, Devil Wears Prada. She plays the uh, the Anna Wintour character in that. Post with uh, Tom Hanks. Oh, she's been one fairly recently ish. Well, anyway, there you go. I think the last one's probably easier than Meryl Streep, Manned World. Here we go. Okay, three films by no sequels Eddie Murphy. Who? Eddie Murphy. Oh, Coming to America. Yep. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Yep. Uh, Watch the cogs go round. Oh, now. the golden child. Oh, that's a, that's an amazing answer. Um, oh, keep going. Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy. I think that's probably exhausted. Okay. Because I can't have the other. Trading places. Oh, was he in that one? Yeah, forty-eight hours. Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that'll do then. Oh, that'll do for Eddie Murphy. Okay, that's not bad. See. I'm not. God, that sounds so patronising. Yes. I think. Let's no, see what I have to put up with. I think it was probably said as quite patronising in a way. Really. Yeah. Um, I don't think I could hide that. No. You did really well. Thank you. Yeah. Do you want to go for another one, or do you want to just leave it at that? Well, let's astound our listeners by our, my lack of. Knowledge. Oh crikey! I just got to. I've just got to pick somebody. Okay, three films, starring. No sequels. Matt Damon. Identity? Yes. No sequels. Matt Damon. That's hard. Oh, was he in... Um, not really. The lo- the lost- was he in The Lost Boys? No, he wasn't in The Lost no, Boys. No, I'm not saying that. The Dead Poets Society. Was he in that one? No. Oh. There's a guy that looks very much like him in that then. Uh, there is. Um, uh, ben Affleck. God. Won the Oscar for... Uh, writing, I believe. They both wrote it. With uh, Robin Williams. Goodwill Hunting. Oh, was he in that one? Yeah. Oh, I see. I got he played, mixed played up. Will Hunting, yes. Right, there you go then. Hmm. So I was on the right track. <laughs> in a school. Right track, different state. In a school. <laughs> a different county. Teaching. Hmm. What about uh, He's Left Behind on a Planet? Oh, Mars, that, that <laughs> thing. He's gone off to Mars, hasn't yes. he? Yes. Uh, trip the, to Mars? Tri- tri- trip to Mars. The, Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? The Mars Man. The Mars Man. Okay, no. Any other chocolate confectionery you want to, <laughs> to go through? The Bounty Boy. Uh, the Martian. Yes, there we go. Is See. it the Martian or is it just Martian? The Martian. It is the. It is the Martian, yeah. Okay. It's a good film, though. It was a good film, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, seriously, on that bombshell. Oh, could you do again? Oh, you're bringing this out again. Crazy. You said that. I think you said that about Michael Douglas. Yeah, but there's loads of. And I'm like, is he in Ocean's Eleven or anything? He is in Ocean's Eleven. Well, there you go then. But then you could you couldn't have had Ocean's Twelve or well, Ocean's Thirteen. Had Ocean's Twelve. She said no sequels. If you didn't no, no get sequels. Ocean's. Oh, listen to this. Listen to what I have to put up with. Right, and on that note, um, well, that's it. I think it. I did quite well there. I thought you did very well. I, I thought you did brilliantly. 
Am I thought you did Well, no, no, but I mean, when we're talking about John Candy and we're talking about Steve Martin, two films that we've covered and talking about them in great depth, they obviously left that much of an impact on you that you went, uh, Caddyshack? No, we haven't covered that one. I'm quite happy to cover Caddyshack. We maybe covered that later on. I've been, I've been, we had a request to do Caddyshack from Nerd Alert. Mm. Uh, hi, Joe. Hi, Taylor. Hi, Jack, if they're listening. Um, hi, Dom. I've got to say as well, if he's still listening at the end of this, because I know that Planes, Trains and Automobiles was one that we, we watched when we uh, when we were roommates and we just, oh, we just love the film, we're, of course. Do you know what? I've just frightened myself. You've just what? Frightened myself. Frightened yourself? <laughs> you know, looked you know, in a, looked in a mirror. about the films and we were prepping, like kind of like, and I was kind of like trying to focus. Okay. I drew like this thing on, on the newspaper with my pen. Hmm. And for a split second, when I just looked back at it, forgetting that I'd drawn it, I thought it was a spider. <laughs> so you frightened yourself with your own with your own sketch. And, and do you know what? You know, just in case you think that she's putting this on at night for a podcast, this is her. This is her. There's there's no there's no. Uh, this is that's great. I don't know whether to cut that out or not. No, don't. Just no. All right. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, no, no Christmas bloopers for us. Do people call, call them no outtakes? What do they call them? Bloopers is such an old sort of it'll, it'll be all right in the night, night type thing. Oh, look at that! Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Do people still call them bloopers? Bloopers, yeah, the blooper reel. The gag reel, I think they call no, it. No, no, that's got a different meaning. I think. No, no, no. No. Well, it's outtakes. Yeah, outtakes, bloopers. All right. um, Google "it'll be all right in the night" and "dog" on YouTube, um, just for a, for a ten, oh, for a ten hell. for a ten. I can't tell you what it's about, but for a ten second in its ten second clip, and it is worth it. Anyway, um, just go and Google that and have fun. Anyway, um, next film we're doing. Are we doing? Are we? Are we? Are we doing? She's having a baby. All right, okay. Well, then we'll pick something else because we are finishing the season with Pretty in Pink and Breakfast Club because that's when Nerd Alert are going to join us for Breakfast Club. Okay. Okay. We are going to do Pretty in Pink, definitely. Um, so we've got to come up with a film that we're doing next. We did talk about doing Howard the Duck, but we've decided against it even though um, I, I, I sneakily re-watched it about a week ago, sort of in the background um, while I was doing something else. Um, and... It's still good, but it's not as good as I remember. I've still got a... He's still a Marvel character, and he's still fought Thanos in Endgame. So, while he's not an Avenger, he's still part of the crowd. I don't know. How do you become an How do you become an, an Avenger? There are loads of people in that final scene. Are the Guardians of the Galaxy Avengers? Because they're part of the same uh, team. They fight on the same side, yeah. But they're not officially not. Avengers, though, are they? I don't know. I'm not is Howard the Duck an Avenger? I think our friends at Nerd Alert might, might be able to answer then that Then I, I shall ask them. I, in fact, Joe, I'll probably ask you this before you've even heard it, because I, I may ask you on my walk tomorrow. Uh, I might ring you up. But anyway, on that note, I am going to say thank you for listening. If you want to contact us, we're on Twitter at RustedJPod. Uh, it's the same for Instagram and, of course, Facebook, whereby... 
Uh, we get some nice comments on Facebook, so come join us on Facebook. Just ask a question. Give us give us a suggestion, something that you want to cover. Um, I know we've pretty much got maybe this season mapped out, um, so we've, we've got, got three. No theme. No, we've no got no theme, the no agenda. Season, it could be so it could be action. It could be sci-fi. It could be anything. We don't yeah, know yet. Probably not horror because I don't do horror. Oh, that's a shame. Sorry. So that was going to be that stuff. Nightmare on Elm Street. No. Ha- house. No. House is quite funny. No, I'm not. No. Oh, okay. No. Um, Civil horror. Your favourite, The Omen. Do you, do you loan his podcast? Loner's oh, podcast. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Well, we're not doing horror then. Oh, well, there we go. I'd, all together or not at all? We do this together or not at all? Oh. Maybe we do next one. We find one, then we can bring in our special guest star again. Our little special guest star. Oh. Okay, we might find one for Amy to come and join us because she hasn't joined us since Ferris, since the start. That's true. That was for five podcasts ago. Wowzers! Let's see if we can That's the start try. Of lockdown, isn't it? It was the start of lockdown. Yeah. Anyway, what what better film to start the lockdown than Ferris, eh? But anyway, right, this is going on far too long, so uh, thanks very much for listening. Really appreciate it. And I'll see you again next time. So cheerio then. Toodle pip. Rusted junk. Rusted junk. Rusted junk. The forgotten 80s movies. The forgotten 80s movies.